everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And as I say on every show, we've got a great show for you today because we always bring great artists. None of them are bad that we bring on this show. And we've been talking to Bailey a little bit, and she really seems like a cool girl. I think you're going to really love her. Her music is awesome. So we're definitely excited to hear parts of her story and get to know her a little bit. So, Bailey, are you here? I'm here, and I'm very, very excited to be here. Thank you That's so much awesome. for having and, me today. <clears throat> and we're excited to ha- to have you on board. That's we, you know, yeah. you're our hundred and second, our hundred and second interview. So we never know who's who's going to come next and all that. <laughs> yeah, that That's is right. just so so cool that y'all have done that many since January. That's unbelievable. <clears throat> yeah, we you know we launched we I mean we launched New Country Buzz back in 2008 or relaunched I should say New Country Buzz back mm-hmm. in 2018, but the show. It was ended last year. We were like, you know what? Time to take it next level. Let's do a show, and we'll call it our name because it just makes sense because we're a married couple doing it. And we were like, okay, um, January 3rd was the day that we decided to launch because that was – my mom passed away year, you know, back in 2003, and her birthday was January 3rd. So I was like, you know what? Let's just start on her birthday, honor her that day. I love that so much and I know she is looking down and feeling so honored that's amazing hope so because she loves Sandy even though she only knew Sandy for oh. a short time because she she um passed away six months after we married 17 years ago um but mm-hmm. but she loves I'm so Sandy. sorry I'm so sorry that's to, to hear that she passed away six months after y'all married but I know that she feels so honored I'm sure that's amazing. Well, I think that's really cool reason to start on a specific date. I love that. <laughs> so as we really get started here, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a brief overview of you so people can get to know you. Because our whole thing is we want to know the person, not just the music. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that is so cool. Okay, so, uh, well, the good news is I'm a person. So, like, we can start there. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas, technically Ferndale, but Ferndale is so small that our mail even says Little Rock. And um, I grew grew up – I wasn't born in Ferndale. I mean, of course, I was born in the hospital in Little Rock. But I wasn't – we didn't move to Ferndale until I was nine years old. And um, Mm -hmm. I – Grew up riding horses and that kind of thing out on the farm, though. Once we moved out here, I was full-on farm girl. And my sister and I were lucky enough to have a mom that took us to barrel races on the weekend. She kind of wanted to continue that because she did that with her dad growing up. Yeah, we were so blessed. We knew it even at a young age that we were really blessed to get to do that with her. And My mom is my best friend, and we've always been super close. And my whole family is very close. So that was fun. doing that on the farm as a young kid and um I grew up listening to country music in the truck with my dad because when we moved out to the farm you know how I was mentioning that I was nine that was mm-hmm. you know when you're so young everything seems like it takes forever back then oh yeah and we had <laughs> oh yeah we, we, <laughs> We went from living five minutes from everything to suddenly living 20 to 30 minutes from everything. And it just felt like an eternity. (laughs) But to make the time pass faster, (laughs) I know, uh, my dad would pop in a CD in the truck and we would listen. That was like our thing on the weekends. We would listen to Leanne Rhymes or whoever he had in the truck at that moment. Mm. 
and we would rewind over and over again. And that's really how I learned to sing initially. I didn't have a vocal coach until later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he would just say, you know, listen to what Leanne's doing with her voice right there. Can you try that? And sometimes we would try <laughs> it for an entire car ride until I got it down. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, Sandy understands where you're coming from because she grew up in a little town called Feds Creek, Kentucky, which is out, an outskirt of Pikeville, Kentucky. Which even Pikeville's small, but where she grew up was 500 people. And their town, which is Pikeville, is 35 minutes Every time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's even further. I'm sure if I felt like it was an eternity, yours was like two eternities. (laughs) Cool, though. I love that we have that in common, Sandy. That's so cool. (laughs) I guess she must be messing with Caitlin there first. Because sometimes Caitlin ends up crying. (laughs) So she comes and she she can hear, I'm sure, because she keeps it on speakerphone then when she has muted. Um. But yeah, that's, um, awesome. that's really cool. Um, yeah. So as you know, as you know, it really takes balance because I think you know some people go so much into music that sometimes they get burnt out with it sure. in a short time. So mm-hmm. what do you do outside of music, of hobbies and stuff like that, to kind of help bring that balance in? Yeah, you know, I had a boyfriend for about four and a half years, <laughs> so that felt like a lot of a. That took up so much of my free time, like trying to work in time to go on a date with him. I work so hard on music. I think that's, I mean, getting off the topic of hobbies, but I think work Mm -hmm. ethic is one of the biggest things, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, in anything in life, but especially in the music industry where there are so many unknowns and uncertainties. You really have to put in that time. Um, and I don't like to think of it as a competition. You know, I, I have so many friends yeah. in Nashville, and I'm cheering all of them on, and I want all of us to have the life that we dream of and what mm-hmm. we're all working towards. Um, but it is a town where, you know, there's a lot of people trying to do the same exact thing. And I think mm-hmm. we – I like to think of it as we're all on our own unique path, and we have to yeah. put in the amount of work that it takes to get where we need to go on that path. And um, I spend a lot of time working. I really do. But in my (laughs) free time, you know, growing up, I loved to barrel race, as I was mentioning earlier. And uh, do you know what barrel racing is? Yeah. Yeah, I do some. I mean, so I don't – my horse passed away Uh that I raced on. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, when I was 24. So Mm -hmm. that was really sad. I was actually – I had gotten a phone call from my mom about six months before Mm. he passed away. And I was over in Nashville and she said, you know, I've been thinking about it and I hadn't really competed since high school. I I competed Mm -hmm. a ton in high school. I did it all the time. Um, And she was like, why don't we just get in the trailer and do this again? Let's haul, let's go to barrel races. And I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. Why not? Um, You know, you only live once. I'll make time for it. I was so excited. And then, um, you know, I was counting down the days until I came home for Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. I found out that he passed away. So we oh, didn't wow. get to do it. He was really young when he died. Yeah, you know, a lot of horses mm-hmm. can live 30 and beyond, and he was only 17. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So I know, but it's okay. Um, my mom actually just gave me a new horse, and <laughs> she's been training him for a while. His name's Andrew. The jury is still out on whether or not he'll be ready to do barrels and that kind of thing <laughs> soon. But, <laughs> but when he I'm is, you're ready. 
Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready when he is. We're uh, we're having a good time, though. I would say that's been my big hobby during this quarantine mm-hmm. is going up to yeah. the barn, and I you know, I like riding with my mom, and um, we've been going to the lake a little bit, so that's been fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, one of the, one of our favorite questions that I love to ask you just never know what answers you're going to get. What is something quirky about you? Ooh, okay. So I have been told that I am a quirky person, whatever that means. So maybe there's a lot of things. One quirky thing that I have to say, I don't know if I'm proud or it's like a, I don't know if I'm not proud or proud. It's just kind of like a, it is, it is what it is. I have grown Uh, out of my habit that I always have to watch something happy before I go to sleep. I have weird (laughs) nightmares if I don't. And for some reason, yeah, I've had, I've been forced to break that habit because there was the only TV that I have to watch while I'm, you know, home on the farm with my family. It's that kind of a weird Mm. level because nobody ever really stays out here. And I guess my mom didn't like realize she hung it kind of low. And so (laughs) it's kind of painful on my neck to watch the TV. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to a song or two and doze off. And I've broken the habit. But I am still listening to a happy song, so I don't know, you know. So what drives you? I mean, when you look in the mirror, what drives Bailey? Mm, I like that. Um, several, well, a lot of things, actually, more than several. But I would say I'm first and foremost driven by God. And I've, I, I grew up a Christian. Yeah, uh, we grew up Church of Christ, my whole family, and it was mm-hmm. church every Sunday. And, you know, everybody, we focused on prayer. And mm-hmm. my dad would often say, let your light shine at school. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I always think about that when I'm making decisions. And mm-hmm. I'd like to stop and pray. I spend a lot of time in prayer. <clears throat> I try to pray every single day. Um, another thing that drives me is filling my purpose, which I think is serving other people through music. Music really mm. can heal. And mm. I think it's really important. No, well, every time that I step on stage or try to do a live stream of any kind, I like to think, okay, what can I do for these people? And I like to remind myself of that because um, if I'm being real, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of anxiety and nerves. It's natural before mm-hmm. you perform, even if I'm just in my living room. It's funny how you can still get yeah. worked up <laughs> over your phone being in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. But I love to remind myself, even while I'm in the middle of a song, because sometimes I'll get nervous if I know I'm playing a new song that I haven't played before. I'll get nervous mm-hmm. that I might mess up on the chords or whatever, and I'll just remind myself and say a little prayer while I'm singing that I'm I'm doing it for other people, not me. That's awesome. <clears throat> and, you know, you're talking about the whole church thing. Us, you know, our little eight-year-old, ever since he was little, all he's known is church, or one-year-old, all she's known is church. Now, granted, until now, he, he hates it. He, he, he wants so bad to be able to go back to church, call his friends are there. And we, go, and, and we, we actually go to two different churches here in Savannah locally. And then when we travel, like any time we travel, if, there, if, it's a church, if it's a weekend, we go, we go to a local church where we're at. Like we got three or four churches we go to in Jacksonville sometimes. Sometimes we go to Charleston, South Carolina. We go to Seacoast Church there. It's, to, to, it's still our favorite. It's funny. 
it's not we don't even live in Charleston, but our favorite church in Charleston is actually Seacoast Church, and that's our favorite church overall. And, oh yeah, oh, I'm I'm back now. Had had to get <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> she she was I'm tired. She needed it. Real. That's you doing that just <laughs> makes me feel even more comfortable because I grew up as one of four children, <laughs> and it was always it still yes. is. It's like Grand Central Station around the house. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and and you know we already know yeah, what church we're planning on attending up in Nashville when mm-hmm. we move there is Cross Point. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's where I go. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, awesome. They've, they've really been yeah. they've really been good to us so far. I've, I've been in chats with them. I've even talked with one of the guys on the phone about volunteering there once we're there and stuff. So you know they've been really good and believe in us, even though we're not even there yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that y'all are so involved already from a distance. That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm really um, trying to get connected. Yeah. And you know when you when you talked about a while ago too about you feel like your your mission is through music and all that. We get you on that because back in 2014 we actually entered. I mean we first launched New Country Buzz. It was mm-hmm. originally launched in 2014, but it got so heavy. And all that with with me about a year, and we had to shut it down because so much happened. So we shut it down, and for three years I agonized on it. And I'll be honest, a part of my agony was I always was when I was almost like a Pharisee, you could say. I was almost under this belief that it's not a ministry unless you, unless it's God focused. And that was something I had to get through because I can't because I've had so many people through the years, you know. you can't support country music and be a Christian. I'm sure you've heard that through the years, and I've heard that through the years. And it's like sometimes you you start to question, are they right? And then not. And finally, I came to the conclusion um, that no, um, this can still be a ministry as long as we're doing what we're mm-hmm. supposed to do in the right way. And people right. see our light. That's what matters. People see our light in this dark world. And I remember by the end of 2018, I told Sandy, I was like, you know, it's eating me alive. I feel like we're supposed to do this. Let's, I think we should relaunch and finish what we started. So we, in the 2018, we did that. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we ended up launching this show and uh, this year, and here we are. You know, And we feel like we're doing something that's positive for the world because people like you are not getting noticed out there at all. Mm-hmm. And we want to showcase – and spotlight and, and allow y'all to tell parts of y'all's story because that's something I see missing with the independent artists is they don't have a platform to really tell their story at all. I and agree. That's, that's so true. And there's just so many of us, like I was mentioning earlier, the market, if you want to put it like that, is inundated with mm-hmm. many artists. And it, it is hard for us to be heard and to be found and to be noticed and to tell our stories. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I would say – even through the phone, you have such mm. you both have such a positive energy. So I completely agree with well, what y'all are saying. I think that you're oh, doing a very positive that. thing. Yeah, well, we pre- absolutely. definitely appreciate that because we want we just want to do right with God. And like I said, it, even when we relaunched, I still had this pow- this power back and forth mentally until mm-hmm. at our church. I remember um, we were sitting and they had a story come on the screen. This is what changed my mindset a little bit. A story came on the screen of one of our pastors there, and he, he was talking about he's a big 
he's big in the jujitsu. He's a, he's a black belt in jujitsu. And he says that his dojo, where he has all his members and all that, has become his ministry. And he and explained that that, he, that although he has not pushed his beliefs of Christ onto them, just because his light's there, they've almost all come to Christ because of that. And he calls that his ministry, even though it's not ministry per se. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's my. That's what I needed to hear. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so true. So, it doesn't have to be direct. Exactly. That's you know, right. like I try to tell people now, it doesn't have to be God-focused as long as it's God-inspired. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm going to use that quote. I love that. <laughs> I think about that all the time. <laughs> so when you look at your past with the music so far right now, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? Okay. Um one of the first ever moments like that, I've had a lot that I'm just really thankful for and feel blessed about. Mm-hmm. But when I was, see, when I was 12, okay, the backstory is I saw this little documentary on my mm-hmm. parents' TV dad. It was like back when we had the big box TV. And it was mm-hmm. close to the floor and I was sitting on the ground and I, my mom put in a documentary on Shania Twain. She was always trying to mm-hmm. make sure that I knew all the information I could ever want to know about each artist mm-hmm. that I loved. Oh, well. And, you know, she's yeah. amazing and is amazing, but she would take me to their concerts and say, you know, watch, watch, this is how you learn to perform. It was so sweet. <laughs> but so I'm sitting there watching this documentary on Shania Twain. And I vividly remember it gets to the point where it says that she was in a dive bar when she got mm-hmm. discovered. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's it. Got to get to Nashville. <laughs> Only option. And, I was I was just laser focused on that, and I begged my poor mm-hmm. mom all the time from that moment forward. Mom, when are we going to Nashville? When are we going to Nashville? Come on, we got to go. We got to get in the car. And finally, she was like, okay, I wore her down. She took me to Nashville, and mm-hmm. boy, did she take me. She called up her oh, friend. Wow. Yeah, she conveniently had a friend that had just moved to Nashville, and her husband wow. was trying to pursue a career in music. And long story short, mm-hmm. they connected me. I made a demo. I submitted the demo to Riverfest, a, like, a big festival held in Little Rock. So it's actually, unfortunately, no longer held anymore, but mm-hmm. it was a great honor that they selected me to open for Hank Williams Jr. As my, this was my oh, wow. first full band show wow. with my own band. And I got to do, I think it was a 30-minute set, and I did mm-hmm. all the songs on my demo that I was proud of, and it was cool. That's, I love that story. So what's another one that kind of pops out? Another one is when I was asked, I also sent in a CD of me singing. I Mm -hmm. went over to Nashville and recorded me singing the national anthem, and I submitted it to the University of Arkansas asking, Mm -hmm. with like a little note, asking if I could sing the national anthem at a Hogs game. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, I think I was (laughs) 14. Lo and behold, I got a phone call, and they told me they wanted me to come sing. And not only did they want oh, me wow. to come sing, yeah, at a game, it was after they mm-hmm. had finished adding about 10,000 seats onto the stadium oh, wow. at the University of Arkansas <laughs> at Fayetteville, so the biggest stadium. Um, and I, the game was against USC, so it was huge. The stadium was packed, and that was, that was really cool. I, um, so what was I your thoughts think- when you was walking out there? <laughs> okay, so that is so funny. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking I should tell you. 
that was the first time <laughs> I had been admittedly so nervous. Like, I think my nerves uh-huh. before then had always been, like, at enough of a minimum that, like, if my dad would say, are you nervous? You okay? I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. This time I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm very nervous. And I looked up at my mm. dad who went out. We both had sideline passes, me, my dad, and my sister. I think my mom maybe didn't want to go down on the sidelines because she always gets so nervous. Um, she just couldn't take it. <laughs> so she sent us down. And um, I'm in a little red top that we couldn't find a red top with sequins. And I had my heart set on mm. wearing a top with sequins. And so my mom found mm. a white one and dyed it red <laughs> and, uh, for the hogs. <laughs> so I'm wearing this little tie-dyed or whatever dyed sequin top. And my dad looks at me and says, you okay? You nervous? And like normal, I, I lied. I said, no, no, I'm fine. He said, yeah, me too. I'm fine. I'm fine. And <laughs> as soon as I got done, this plane, it was so cool. The planes fly over at the end. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, the crowd went nuts. And I got done, and my dad put his hands up and said, woo! And I was like, he said, how'd you like it? I was like, I want to go sing it again. And he said, well, that's great. He said, I'm going to admit to you now, I said I wasn't nervous, but I was about to throw up. And I was like, Dad, me too. <laughs> there were 70,000 you know, people watching. It was wow. crazy. Wow. And, and you know, um, we actually just started another podcast called Behind the Artist, where we bring parents and family members on to talk about the artists. We might need to get your parents on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that would be oh, they would. Oh my gosh, they would die. My dad would especially love that. They would both love it, but my dad would really love it. <laughs> and, and you, in fact, you we should. Got, this this Friday, we got Ava's dad coming on Ava Page we oh, do oh mm-hmm. how cool how I would if you're about that I will definitely mention that to them they would love that we'll yeah, mention it to them and Absolutely. say that we've got an opening for next week so yeah okay, we do. I will I will That's a, and and you talk about the nervousness <clears throat> um I can remember about 15 years ago um 15 10 or maybe 10 10 might have been 10 10 to 15 years ago um I yeah, somewhere was in that supposed to give a five-minute speech. Now, five minutes. What could possibly go wrong? It was my very first <laughs> speech. I learned two valuable <laughs> lessons that day. One is don't change what you're going to say the day of the speech. Lesson one. <laughs> but I'll explain in a minute. Now, lesson two I learned. Yeah. Don't make your very first speech in front of 300 professionals. <laughs> um, uh, so here I was, sitting on the front row, Sandy and I. I had notes in my hand, ready to do it. Because only five minutes, what could possibly go wrong? I got this. I get up there. I can't read my notes because my hand's shaking so bad. <clears throat> I mean, literally, oh, no. hands shaking. So, well, they had a podium. So I was like, no big deal. I'll put it there. But, and I'm a short guy. I'm not tall. And this podium only come to my waist. So I couldn't read the thing there. So I'm like, okay, well, this five minutes is really my story, parts of my story. So I can, I can still nail this. No big deal. You know, I don't need the notes. Okay. Um, I open my mouth and nothing comes out. Nothing. Yeah. Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am freaking. The only thing I can mm-hmm. think of at that moment was I have to get through this because I knew this was the fighting moment for me. If I walked off that stage, I'll probably never speak again. I'll probably do nothing with, with speaking ever again. 
So I knew how to get to it. And about and Sandy was telling me afterwards that she was freaking because she couldn't do nothing. She on the front row. I was. And, and, yeah, and I'm sitting I there. I wish I could do that. And, and these so the professionals had to. And they had to put up with me for like a minute, minute, 20 seconds, or whatever, something like that. And finally, I took a deep breath, and I just said the first thing that came to my mind, because <laughs> this is the only thing that came to my mind. I said, if y'all get nothing else out of this, at least you get a good laugh. Everybody laughed, and I nailed the rest. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that moment, because you talking about how nervous you were. I love to tell that story when people tell the story of nervousness because, mm-hmm. again, it's one of the things that, you know, I remember a, I was talking to a friend of mine who sp- spoke in front of 20-plus thousand people at a time, and I asked him whether he gets nervous. And he says, he says of course I do. He says, the, the audience, I have to move that audience. I have to, I have to take what I say not lightly because they, yes. their lives sometimes is inter- intertwined into what I say. So, so of course I'm nervous. He goes, the day I don't get nervous is the day I quit speaking. Yeah. Wow, that's profound. <clears throat> that's so simple but profound. <clears throat> yeah, and, I, and I, I've always remembered that. You know, there's little things like that I, that when people say I remember, like say I remember. It's just little things like that I like that you learn through the years. And one thing I like to do with our show that I think is missing out there is, as you know, um, they people see you as the artist. They see the glamour. They see the Blake Shelton's, the Miranda's. They see all the glamour. They see all the glory. But they don't see the grind. They don't see what it really takes. They don't see the struggles, the sacrifices. I like to go – I always like to go there because nobody else does. Our show does. I love that. But we want to hear both sides. And here's where I want to go with that. I'll tell a story to lead in where I want this to go. In 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls. And um, at that time, her and her daughter were full-time with music. I asked her, what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist? She said, this is going to sound funny coming from a full-time artist. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and just keep music as a hobby. She goes, once you try to make it a career, she goes, it's a game changer. She goes, you could be have the most miserable day today, but tonight if you got a gig – you got to get up there and smile like nothing happened today. She goes, the families have to sacrifice. She goes, her and her daughter, even though they're the front people back then, she goes, we're the front people, but our whole family has to sacrifice or we don't have a chance to make it. She goes, it's a sacrifice between everybody. She goes, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because those type of sacrifices can only be worth it if you're all in. What do you think of what she said? And let's go there a little bit. Okay, I love this, first of all, because I, you know, my mom, when I was growing up, would always say to me, people like real. Just be real. Try to be mm-hmm. real your whole life. Don't don't be fake. And, yeah. I, you know, and not that you should do it just because people like it, but yeah. just because that, that's the best mm-hmm. way to be, you know. Even as a Christian, I, I think it's good to be real, to be honest and genuine. Mm-hmm. And I try to seek out those type of people in my life and to create my whole, um, my Instagram page and my Facebook and Twitter. I like all of that to be real. So um, having said that, I think there's, I completely agree with all of what you just said. Um, I 
encourage no one to become a musician and pursue this as a career if you are not all in because it does take so many sacrifices. There are so many things, say, I've missed out on, but I have. I've I've yeah. made a lot of yeah. various sacrifices, mm-hmm. you know, things I would have liked mm-hmm. to have attended that I haven't been able to, whether it's a family reunion or something like that. I try to make it mm-hmm. to those type of things, but sometimes you can't. You can't do everything. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, in high school, I didn't always go to every party and that kind of thing because I spent a lot of time over in Nashville. And I would love mm-hmm. that's so that was my passion. I wanted to be there. I chose to be there. I knew that yeah. that was where I needed to be, and I don't regret it. Um, and I think that's the only way that you can do this because if you weren't all in and you didn't, if you had other plan B, C, D, E, whatever mm-hmm. that you could be doing, then it, you would look back and have regrets. But I don't. And, and, and you know, I love what you said about the plans because I, I remember one of the best quotes I ever heard was. If you have a plan B, then it will be your plan A when the struggle happens. Exactly. Yes. And I've always it, lived by that. And, and you know, that, that's crazy because when, when you um, listen to like a, a lot of the biographies and, and interviews of your big artists, not, again, this ain't 100% all artists, but most of them just fit. Um, where the host will ask them, and they almost always ask this one question. It's always the same. If music didn't work out, what was your plan B? Where would you be today? <clears throat> and and 90% of the time, and, and, and it always takes the host back because we're, we're taught in society you have to have a plan B. So the host is almost always taken aback on this answer. But 90% of the time, they say, I would just be a broke musician. I had no plan B. It was either this or nothing for me. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's been my theology this entire time. And yes, I did mm-hmm. attend college and yes, I did drop out actually several times. <laughs> I've been, I don't really like to call it dropping out. I call it plugging uh, away slowly. Um, but you know, once I start, <laughs> once I start something, I don't like mm-hmm. to leave it unfinished, so that's yeah. why I've been plugging away at finishing college. But mm-hmm. I knew that I don't have eternity to make this dream of mine happen, and I've dreamt of it since mm-hmm. I was a little girl. Not everybody knows what they want to be at age three, and that's fine, and mm-hmm. not everybody necessarily should, but I did. And for some yeah. reason, I knew that, right. and I told my mom that. And I've been working at this my whole life, so I thought, I'll be danged if college is going to get in my way because I'm doing too many things at once and spreading myself thin. I'm going to devote as much mm-hmm. time as I physically can in my 20s to this. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyway, I've what, been – Because a lot of people don't understand. when you know It's hard to build mom- any kind of momentum in music. But if you've got mm-hmm. any type of momentum and you step back to go to college, you, you may never get that again. You may, you know, like, like I remember um, with Gabby Barrett, I don't, you know, she, as far as I know, she didn't go to college. You know, she went straight out of high school. She was homeschooled into Idol and all that. (laughs) And she took third place. And even after that, she still didn't go to college. She had momentum behind her. And now look where she's at. If if she would have went to college, she, she would never, she might not would have never built, ever built this momentum again. No, it's very true. And I mean, I think the way that I've done it where I'll just take mm-hmm. a class or two at a time instead of a full load. It's been, mm-hmm. I mean, it was still 
a little more difficult than if I hadn't been doing college, but I was able to make it work. Yeah. So I'm glad that I've done it yeah. that way versus just, I think it works better for me than just cramming it all in and finishing in four years. That is really awesome. And, and, and I love that you're open. Because again, one of the things that we wanted to do with our show, and, and you talk about authentic, made me think of this. Um, I remember when we first launched our show, I've got a friend in Nashville that I reached out to and asked him for advice. And he told me it's only one piece of advice that I would give you. He says, as you grow, he says, start and stay authentic. He says, be, he says because, he says, you could tell every Bobby Bones joke. He said, you could tell every Ty Bentley joke because he knows that's who we look up to is the Ty Bentleys and the Bobby Bones of this world. He says, you could mm-hmm. tell their jokes. And he says, maybe, you get, maybe you're pretty good at it. He says, maybe you're good enough to even get a following. He says, but the day's going to come when authentic Chris comes out. He says, you can't hide it. It's going to come. It may be a day from now. It may be a year from now. Maybe five years from now. But that mm-hmm. day will come. And when that day comes, you're going to lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. They were attracted to fake Chris. And if you start being authentic from the beginning, then you won't lose your audience to as you. It may grow slower, but you'll have the right audience. Yes, absolutely. That is so, so true. And I think about that a lot, actually. Um, I mean, look at Eric Church. Look at the devoted mm. following he has. But yep. it didn't happen Dang overnight. He, he is not. And he has, I think, when I think of a loyal following, I think of him. And there's many, many artists like him, um, like the Avet Brothers. I don't know if you follow them, but mm-hmm. I got into them a little bit through my little brother. Um, mm-hmm. Because before they were big, uh, about five years ago, I guess, my cousins were really into them. And they kind of developed this, mm. if you want to call it a cult following of loyal fans. <laughs> and they don't, they're not super mainstream. They're, it, I just love that. I love artists and bands like that that yeah. are real, like you're saying. <clears throat> and perfectly way into, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to play your song, Doing Time With You. Love that song. I tell you, it's really catchy. I love Thank it. Thank you. Um, Thank you for saying that. But we're going to. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll play that, and we're going to talk about music a little bit then. How's that sound? Absolutely. I love that. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. Good. 
Both of you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I wrote that so with a lady us. named Jennifer Kennard. She's amazing. Oh, wow. Well. Tell mm-hmm. us the story behind it. Well, okay, with this one, you know, sometimes hooks just come to me spontaneously. And mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. that came to me initially was, I want to steal your heart so I can do a little time <laughs> with you. And mm-hmm. I went in to write at Jennifer Kennard's kitchen table at her house. And I told her the idea. And we'd actually been trying to write another song for about two hours. And we didn't really come up with anything that we were really loving. We just kind of bounced around and we were like, you know, maybe we're tired. Let's just revisit and write a song another day. Maybe we'll start with something new. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And that's what she said. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And um, 
this was actually my first time writing with her. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, I don't want to leave on a bad note. I'm going to tell her this idea. I just had this gut feeling that I needed to tell her this idea I'd had. And I said, what about mm-hmm. something like, I want to steal your heart so I can do a little sign with you. And she said, oh, my gosh, I love that. And <laughs> we're off to the races. And um, we wrote it. And I, yeah. And, you know, the other day, I said the other day, now mm-hmm. it's been a while. Um, goodness. Time, there's no time anymore. Time is, you know, yep. it's just but a constant these days. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So the other day, meaning about two months ago, I was, I think I'd just finished brushing my teeth and I was sitting on the floor and I'd been on the phone with a friend and they said, what are you up mm-hmm. to? And I said, oh, you know, just doing time. And then <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Oh my goodness. The song. And um, now it's out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love oh, the love story it. behind yeah. songs, you know, because you just never know where they're inspired from. Absolutely. Yeah. And that one, you know, it came from definitely a feeling of it was love and that sort of thing. And just wanting to spend quality time with the person that you love and realizing that you don't necessarily need all the bells and whistles. Like, sure, going on a date is fun and doing big, mm-hmm. elaborate vacations. All of that's great. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to turn down a trip to Hawaii. But um, <laughs> sometimes you don't need that or even want that sometimes you just want to be inside mm. together and appreciate each other yeah and, and and see we've lived our marriage in that way because a lot of people don't understand how we live our because you know since day one 17 years ago um, we've been a 24 7 marriage couple since day one we don't yeah, we're yeah. never apart and we work <laughs> together everything and here it is we got a show together yeah. now it just it just yeah. makes sense. Like it don't like I tell people, I don't have to make sense to you. I mean, people have told us how unhealthy we are and how this won't last. You know, every year for seventeen years, oh, this won't last, and then it keeps lasting. No, this won't last. You'll get tired. You'll get sick. You know, and, and you know, like I tell people, you know, they say that that you become an expert at when you when you've given ten thousand plus hours to one thing. Well, we've given mm-hmm. well over 10,000 hours to each other in face-to-face time in 17 years because of the way we live. So apparently we're experts with each other if you look at it that way. <laughs> I love that. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. And as every and, married couple yeah. should be. And, and, you know, we never I never expected this way. <laughs> it's funny because back in the day when we first married, I wanted to be this big – I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I wasn't really – I liked music, but I was into audio motivation stuff. She's this hardcore 24-7 music. So we marry. Something has to give because I don't want to listen to music, and she doesn't want to listen to audio. So we finally mm-hmm, came yeah. to an agreement. We do 50-50 on each of them, and that worked for us, even though she brainwashed me in all this music stuff because here we are 17 years later <laughs> – but the cool thing is yeah. you never know where God's going to lead you because here it is. We found a way to where God allows me to speak some, and she's getting to be a part of music all under one umbrella. Yes. Yes. Wow. Y'all are goals. That's amazing. I love that. What a compromise. That's incredible. Well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> one thing I like to do on the show is I, and I think that more people need to do this because, you know, as you know, as an artist, people see you. 
They don't hear about your PR people. They don't hear about your managers. They don't hear about anything around you. But it takes them to do their part, or you can't do your part. So take a couple minutes and just tell us a little bit about the team behind you that make you who you are. Absolutely. Well, I could go on and on about the team behind me for way more than a couple minutes because I think behind every successful artist is a successful team. There's nobody that will tell you they've done this completely alone because that's just not possible. Um, If they're not officially your team, every successful artist has had people in their life that have been there for them, whether it's their mom and their dad or both, their siblings. Mm. Um, And I'm thankful to have a very supportive family. I will start there. They were my team before I had the official team. And, you know, (laughs) everything, they've always been just positive support for me. And like I told you the story about my mom and my dad when I was a kid, on the field for that game, you know, and my dad Mm. and I, we've always been super close. Um, Now I have Renee Bell. She is Mm. my A&R, which stands for artist and repertoire. Such a long, big word. I don't know why they make (laughs) us say that, but can we just change that? Um, But she's great. She's, I mean, she's, I cannot say enough good things about Renee Bell. She and I work very closely. Um, It's almost like, an artist management type relationship. She and I will sometimes be on the phone at 9 p.m. just talking. And, you know, we'll talk about work stuff, but we'll also just talk about what's going on. And she'll tell me stories. And I just love talking with her. I call her my second mom. And then I've got uh, Skip Bishop and Butch Wah, and they are unbelievable. They have been helping me with just various things. So the three of them, the people that I – just named um actually Mm -hmm. make up studio 2b which is the label basically the label team that i'm working with we're not officially it's not like an additional record deal but um they have been helping me for i guess it's been about six or seven months now i've lost track um and yeah yeah they're absolutely incredible and then i've got Brian Kennedy and Davi Foreman in LA that Renee Bell actually hooked me up with. And um, they have been, they've been just been life changing, honestly, working with the two of them. Um, Mm -hmm. Davi was the mixing engineer on my entire album and Brian Kennedy is the producer. Yeah. And uh, Davi also was the uh, vocal engineer. And so sometimes those are separate people, but he did both tasks and, um, it was really, really cool working with him. And I have to say something really neat that he said after the fact was I, I called him and I was talking to him about something with our mix and a tweak or two. And um, mm-hmm. and I said, Davi, I just wanted you to know, I feel like you completely changed me as a singer. I came in one oh, wow. person and I left another singer. And I really feel like you brought out the best in me in so many different ways. And mm-hmm. he said... Bailey, I really appreciate you saying that because that's exactly what I strive to do with each artist that comes my way. I want them to leave knowing all of their strengths as a singer and knowing um, what they do best and really assured in that. And that's how I felt when I left his studio. That's really cool. And I know you told us a couple parent stories already. 
But is there in the, you know, I always like that at this point where we talk about the team, I always like that. that we, we, now, granted, when I know the parents are behind the artists, there's some artists that parents are not behind, so I can't ask this. But tell us a parent story where, where they've done, went above and beyond. And I know they go above, I can tell they go above and beyond every day. I can tell that already. But tell us a story where they did something really special where you realize, wow, they really believe in what you're doing. Okay. Oh gosh, that the hard part about this question is not um, what do I say, but which one do I pick? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, I'm gonna go with the first one that popped into my head. Um, mm-hmm. My mom and I would drive back and forth to Nashville. You know, starting from when I was 12 in that story I mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah. Throughout high school, she was just oh, wow. all in, and my dad would go sometimes too, but. There were four of us, and still are, mm-hmm. but four living at home, and my brothers needed somebody to take them to their basketball games on the weekends, and then it mm-hmm. became football, and yeah, so they, and my brothers are both amazing athletes, both play, one already graduated, but he played football in college, and then the other one is currently playing football in college. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, so my dad was a lot of times busy with that. So my mom would take me to Nashville, and one particular trip, we were recording, or I was recording, and um, we got in the car to drive home, and I guess we had gotten a final version of two of the songs I'd been recording that summer back, and we were listening mm-hmm. to them in the car, and I think she thought I was asleep, so it really meant the world <laughs> to me even more, because she didn't know I was listening, but she was on the phone yeah. over and over again with all of her friends. Call them one after another. And she would say, oh, you wouldn't believe what we've been doing in Nashville. I am just so proud of Bailey. I'm telling you this music is about to take off. She was just so excited. She said, I'm just telling you, I can tell these are hits. And, of course, they didn't do anything. And I was so young. But I was like, that is so cute. She believed in me so much. Yeah. she has always yeah. been like that. I mean, she would just, the fact that she was driving over to Nashville, um, sometimes in one day, we would leave sometimes at 5 a.m. and we would get back at midnight on a Saturday. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> that is really awesome. And, and, you know, talking about family, we, we, our show is a family affair, and we do have a third party that we call it's little Chris. He's kind of like a team member. And we always let him come on and ask one question each other. And when Caitlin gets old enough, we're going to plug her in too because this is a family show. Woohoo! <laughs> I love it. So he's going to get on Sandy's line real quick. Cool. <laughs> he loves this. Okay, he's ready. Here's Christopher. Hey, Hi, Chris. baby. What's your favorite food? Oh, my goodness, my favorite food. Okay, are we talking my favorite food that I eat regularly or my favorite food if I if calories didn't exist? I'm going to go with that. So family recipe, something that my mom makes, and um, it's something that she started making when I was a little kid because my grandma was making it a lot, and we loved it, but we, none of us knew why my grandma was making it a lot, actually. At the time, we didn't know that it didn't have eggs and my cousin was allergic to eggs. So that's what she would make. And, um, we all fell in love with it, not knowing that (laughs) it was something that didn't have eggs, (laughs) but but I still do. I still love it. Crave it. So what's yours though, Chris? A pizza. Pizza. Yes. I like that. I like you already. That's awesome. 
Okay, Pizza bye. is a great choice. <laughs> oh, bye. He comes, he comes and goes quick. He does. He loves he to be so part cute. of it. That is but so cute. It. How old is he? He is eight. Oh, my eight God. So cute. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I've always been taught that if you want to inspire passion and purpose into your kids, they have a front row seat to watch you live out yours, and that's what we're trying to do with him. Yes. Absolutely. And kids are so smart. They watch everything that we do. So we do have that responsibility. And I think it's great that you're thinking about that. Yeah, because in fact, that's another reason why we're considering that. Because we were planning on moving to Jacksonville, Florida. And we wanted to move there for several years. And and we live only two hours from there. We love it down there. We, in fact, we just went there yesterday, matter of fact. We spent the day there. And um, so we go a lot of day trips there. But and I would, we would try to create friendships. Like we, we know a lot of people down in Jacksonville, but it just seems like we never really get meaningful friendships because um, you can still have them at a distance as much as we would go sure. to Jacksonville. And, and all of a sudden I was telling Sandy, and let's guess it's about six, seven, eight months ago. I was like, you know, I think God's up to something here. Um, I was like, it's weird. We can't create any type of meaningful friendships down there. But it really seems like we've got a bunch of solid friends in Nashville. So he's been behind the scenes setting this up, and we didn't even realize it at the time. I was like, maybe we're supposed to be there. Cause it's, and then the more we talked about it, the more we looked at Nashville, the more we realized, you know, mm-hmm. this is really making sense. And then I've had friends of mine that have told me if we would have been in Nashville, they could have put our son in, a vid- in one of their videos and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's really selling us. That we need to be up there. It could be even something big for them too. It could Absolutely. be. That could be the reason. Yeah. <clears> so either like way, we feel point. like we're supposed to be there, and you know, yeah. so we're like, man, you know, this just makes sense. And and like I said, we we just couldn't seem to create real friendships down there. In fact, I had a friend of mine not long ago ask, tell me, he we were on the phone. And he says he he said and we kind of counsel with each other a lot on the God stuff. He says you're supposed to be in Nashville. I don't, he says you can say you want Jacksonville all you want. He goes I've watched your Facebook page. He says anytime you say you're going to Jacksonville, nobody comments. Every time you're talking about Nashville, all your Nashville friends comment. He goes that should tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Seriously. laughs> Yes, I'm so I'm so excited. When you said you were coming to Nashville and that you're like talking to Crosspoint Church, I was thinking before we change subjects, I wanted to say I would love to meet you guys and maybe we can go sit at church together when this is all over and it's safe to do so again. That oh, would definitely. Be really awesome. We would we would Absolutely. love that. Yeah. Yes, that would be so fun. <clears throat> and see, we're used to a big church. Like our main church here in Savannah um, averages. Um, Seven eight thousand a weekend. So wow, yeah, and, and that's what we're used to is a bigger church. You know, again, a lot of people are like, "Well, I like small churches." I'm like, "Well, go to one of our other campuses. You don't have to go to we we right. go to the stadium style campus, the main campus." I was like, "But oh, we love it you so can much. Go, we miss you can it. go twenty minutes twenty minutes away from it, twenty five minutes away from it, and you've got a thousand mm-hmm. seat one or a three hundred seat one. We mm-hmm. uh, we've got other campuses that are smaller." Than the main, we just love the main. I love being in the stadium style, at the top of the stadium part, and just overlooking during the worship. I just that that just moves me. 
That's cool. Yes. I've never heard anybody say that, but I've experienced that exact same feeling. I think it's really cool when you can look down and everybody is there gathered to worship. And I think that's just mm-hmm. really cool. Yep. Yeah. There's something about it that, that just moves my spirit so much. And so I, I cringe when I see people on Facebook talk about, you know, you can't get anything out of big church. And I'm like, look, us people that go to big church, we don't tell tell people not that they shouldn't go to small church. If small church sure. moves you, go to small church. That's right. Go to where God, go where you feel right like fit. God's moving you. That's so mm-hmm. true. And I, you know, I grew up Church of Christ, which is a smaller church. It's not super small. The church that yeah. I grew up in was big, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as big as Crosspoint. And I mean, I still go to the Church of Christ with my family when I'm home visiting. And right now, while I'm quarantined mm-hmm. here, I'm watching that sure. church with them online on Sundays. But yeah. um, I, I don't know. It's just I'm drawn to Crosspoint when I'm in Nashville because I've looked at <laughs> other churches and Every mm-hmm. time I end up back at Crosspoint, it's just the one that I like oh, well. in Nashville. That is awesome. I love to hear that, especially since we're planning on that's going to be our church home. We love when we hear stories like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really great. I cannot say enough good things. So if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be Ooh. and what's, what would you want to write about? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Ed Sheeran. Because I just well, love Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I he has. Yes. I was just having this conversation actually over Zoom in one of my co-writes last week. I was talking about how mm-hmm. I was telling a story about how like a guy accidentally touched my hand one time. We were trying to come up with content for a song, and I usually derive or always, if I can, derive it from something that I either observed or actually happened to me. So I think it just makes the song more real and somebody will connect to it. So I was telling this story about how somebody accidentally touched my hand and it was, you know, that moment where you feel sparks fly and it, I don't know. And yeah. I was like, it makes me think of that song by Ed Sheeran thinking out loud. And I don't know how he does it, but it blows me away how he makes like profound things. Like it could be something that doesn't sound romantic at all. Like, you know, like he's like, hand me a beer and you accidentally touch hands. But then Ed Sheeran says, uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about people fall in love in mysterious ways, maybe just the touch of a hand. And that is so beautiful. And I would love to sit in a room with him and write a song with him, do a duet. I think that would be amazing. And I have no doubt in my mind that it would be a love song if it were the two of us, because that's just what we do. Love that. That would be be awesome. So I'm about to ask a question and I have a purpose in the way I ask this and I'll explain the purpose after I ask it. And I always say it this way because I think I want to open the uh, minds up to an artist right now. If you had a magic wand, and let's say what you're about to say would 100% come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I ask it that way is this past February made five years that we asked that same question to Kelsey Ballerini before everybody knew her. Wow. And she's living today almost identical to what she told us she wanted to live five years ago. And I think there's power in that story because I think a lot of times artists think of five years, God, that's just that's a long time, or no, it's going to take me 20 years to get there. But they don't realize what God can do in five years, what God can do in over a day, you know, really. But what can happen in five years if you just put the hammer down? And apparently Kelsey did put the hammer down because 
She is living what she told us she wanted to live back mm-hmm. then, five years ago. So, so where would Amazing. you, if all bets were off, where would you be in five years? I would be playing stadiums, and <clears throat> hopefully I would have at least one or two tours opening for an act that I love, like maybe mm. Dan and Shay. Um, and then maybe move up to headlining my own tour in five years. That's what I'd like to be doing. No doubt about it. And I just, Mm -hmm. my goal is of course I would love to win an award. Of course I would love to have a gold record or a platinum record, but Mm -hmm. ultimately what I want to do is I want to heal people through my songs. And one way that I know a direct barometer that I'm doing that is to look out into the audience one of these days and see everybody singing my lyrics back to me then i will know that i've gotten my job done that's all i want that's really cool now let's say you have a friend because i like to get specific on things let's say you have a friend and you've heard him or her sing and let's say that that you can tell they've got something special within what when they sing you can tell it there's there's no doubt about that and let's say that this would be pre-covid advice so Mm -hmm. let's say that um They've, gotten on, they, they've played maybe 10 or 20 shows, so they're really still getting their feet wet. But they've gotten on that stage, looked over the crowd, crowds cheering them on, and they got what every artist says they get on that stage, that stage bug, where they just mm-hmm. know that this is what they're supposed to do. They come to you and they say, Bailey, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. What advice would you give that specific person, guide them the next two, three, four years? I would say work as hard as you possibly can. Um, Somebody gave me some very, very, um, what's the word, intense advice when Mm -hmm. I first moved to town. It was a very successful songwriter. He had won BMI Mm -hmm. Writer of the Year and um, had mentored me a little bit. And we were on the phone. And he said, Bailey, I want to tell you one thing. You've just moved here. You've got your life ahead of you. Everything that you're doing that's not music, stop doing that. And I thought, wow, that is, that's intense. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but as my life unfolded um, Mm -hmm. and as I became more focused, I realized that there was, you know, not, maybe not complete truth, and maybe that wasn't meant to be taken literally, but there was a whole lot of truth in what he said. Yeah. Because oh, the times that my focus la- wavered, I almost said lasered because I was thinking about a laser being focused. Um, the times yeah. that my focus wavered, I got off track, and I lost mm. a little bit yep. of time. And, I mean, that's mm-hmm. natural. You know, that's what you're doing in your 20s. You're figuring things out. You're, you are – I was doing college part of the time, mm-hmm. and – met a guy mm-hmm. that I was really enamored with. You know, you have to look at it as stuff that you're able to write songs about later because if I was a perfect human, yeah. I don't think I would have things to write songs <laughs> about. But I also have one thing that no matter what I was doing, even mm-hmm. if my laser beam, fo- beam focus kind of wavered a little bit, I have always had a huge work ethic and that's what's kept me going. So I would tell that person to not lose faith, believe in themselves beyond a shadow of a doubt, because people will tell you that you can't do this. And people will, Mm -hmm. if they don't say it directly, you'll see it in their eyes. They don't believe in you. And you just can't listen to any of the doubt. You have to 
I don't think the the answer is putting blinders on because that's limiting. Yeah. That's going to, mm-hmm. you know, you won't see life. You won't experience life. You won't observe things, which is also a negative. Um, but I think the answer is just faith and believe that if you, in your heart, believe that this is where God wants you to be and this is what you're supposed to be doing, then you just need to run with that. And many yeah. times, my actually my biggest piece of all of this is go mm-hmm. to God in prayer. When a door closes, yeah. when that no that you got is eating you alive because you thought that person's opinion meant everything, which, by the way, it doesn't. <laughs> Um, but when it, when it is eating you alive and you can't get it out of your head and you think you might want to quit, go to God in prayer, ask him if that no was a sign from him, ask him Mm -hmm. if he wants you to do something else with your life and Mm -hmm. he'll tell you. And I always funny about the quitting, you know, what's funny about the quitting so many times, you know, again, what we're, we we experience all the ups and downs like y'all do as artists because you know, we, we don't have some radio show that's paying our salary. We have no money coming in for the show yet. We're hoping one day we'll have sponsors and all that and build a merch thing around our show <laughs> like so many big shows do. But we, we don't have no money around this. We do a lot of side gigs to stay afloat um, yeah. so that we could stay focused here. Um, but so many times I'm, I'm like on the cliff and Sandy has to pull me down and I'm like, I'm just ready to quit. But I, but and you know I've already quit once, and that and we've seen how that worked. It lasted mm-hmm. three years, and I'm back. <laughs> and um, yes, but but, but and, and I'll and I'll say something like and, and nothing against people with regular jobs just saying a put down. It's just I'm not one of those people. And there there'll be times where I'm like, well maybe I should just do what people say and get a regular job. And mm-hmm. Sandy will kind of laugh about that because she goes, when have you had a regular job since we've been married? <laughs> okay, well, I'll keep going because <laughs> you know so we we've been married 17 years and we've always done little biz, little side businesses and side hustles and this and that. We've always been to stay afloat. Never made it big in anything, you know. But we've stayed afloat. We've stayed together, and we've done it our way. And and that, and sometimes it's, it it can get real frustrating. Um, like I think the hardest part right now would be for me if some big company came and this would be where you believe in what we're doing came to me and said something like okay we will bring up your show onto onto our platform if you change it up see i don't know if i could do that i like what we've done (laughs) yeah Yeah. i like being me i like i can't you know i can only be like i said earlier authentic chris and if that has to change i couldn't live with myself I, I I understand that completely. And I've heard, I feel the same way. Um, I mean, one of my goals is to get a record deal. I would love to find a record deal mm-hmm. and have that support. But mm-hmm. if the record deal. Gotta find the right one. Yeah, if the record deal in some way asked me to be somebody I wasn't, I wouldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Not. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's something that people really have to dig deep in themselves about because, again, and and you have to also redefine print because I, here's something I learned about record deals. And, again, this ain't slamming labels because not every label does this shady thing, but there are some that do this. And I've got friends of mine that told me stories, 
and I've asked around. Apparently, this is actually true. But some labels, if they if they put a million dollars say into somebody or more, and they see you, and they can tell that your audience really is the same audience that their new shining star is competing with. <clears throat> they that sometimes they'll come to you and they'll make a deal with you to be on their label, and now you're all excited. Because you're being signed by this major label, and but you don't read the contract. As soon as you sign, they bench you for three years. They just wanted you off the street. Mhm. Yeah, and I and I I've have heard, heard stories like that happening. And who knows if it was intentional or, you know, I mean, you just I guess you just don't know. But um, that's why. You yeah, I guess careful. it's unfortunate when that happens because. I try to look at it, too, from their point of view, and it's a business that they're trying to keep afloat. And, yep, um, and maybe they had every intention of supporting both of those artists, and maybe a song was doing slightly better for artist A, mm-hmm. and they had to put the money there because it's their yeah, I mean, business investment. There, they there's have to keep many the label alive. could be. You know, sometimes yeah. it could be shady, and sometimes it may not be shady. But either way, Artists need to read those contracts. Or they can be oh, put absolutely. In and always get an attorney. If you're an artist and you're listening, <laughs> never sign anything without an attorney. Amen to that. Now, yeah. as, as, we, as we get to our last question here, um, <clears throat> what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask but they kind of never do? Oh, wow. You know, I've never been asked that question. Um, hmm. We've built our show. In fact, like about 50 episodes ago, one of the girls we asked that to, and I can't remember who it was, but she goes, I just wish somebody would ask me what's quirky about me. And I was like, oh, I like that. (laughs) And that's been one of the most interesting questions we've asked. By the way, I loved that you asked that question. Yes, anything down that alley (laughs) that is something that brings out individualism, I love because I Mm -hmm. think we should all celebrate our individualistic qualities. Um, I love, and I I wouldn't say this never gets asked because it does sometimes, but I love when people ask me to describe my songwriting process in depth because it's something that I love to celebrate and And, I love to talk about it. And you know what's funny? That's one of my questions on the list, but because we've made our show go a little longer than we normally do. Yes. (laughs) But but that is one question that we use that ninety percent of the time we do ask that one. So because that's the question you would you love, ask it. I mean not ask it but answer it. What what is your song writing process? How do you go about it? I love that. Okay. So (laughs) I songwriting process is different every time and that's one thing Mm -hmm. that I love about songwriting. I think it's a beautiful thing that it's never boring Um, Mm -hmm. and inspiration strikes in all different ways. I might be in the car. I might be picking up an apple at Whole Foods or Kroger (laughs) and I may look, I don't even care if I look like the crazy woman that's holding my phone up to my (laughs) mouth, humming things. And I've got my hand carefully. I've done it on an airplane before. And the Mm -hmm. funny thing was I carefully cupped my hand over my speaker and I thought I was being Mm -hmm. so smooth. I was humming this melody (laughs) so quietly because I was like, okay, you know, there's different levels of crazy when you're, when you're humming in public into your phone. And I was like, I think this might be my peak of 
crazy lady humming into her phone on a quiet airplane when people are like deplaning. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to quietly hum and I get off the plane and I was so excited. I mean, you know, giddy. I'm mm-hmm. like, that was a hit melody. I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> I can't wait to go home. And I was going to put on uh, like, I don't even usually write on the piano, but I was so excited about this song. I was going to try to write on my mom's piano and I couldn't hear any of it. I had hummed so quietly. There was so much static on the plane. I couldn't hear any of the melody. It was, it was like every now and then there was a, and then a lot of space and then, but that's one thing is that that's my cardinal rule. And whenever inspiration strikes, write it down, hum it into my voice memos. Yes. Because, there are always so many melodies in my head that I will mm-hmm. forget most of them if I don't record it somehow. So I do that. And then whenever I'm in the room with people, they will often say, okay, well, how are you feeling today? What do you want to write about? And a lot of times mm-hmm. it will just come from a story I'm sharing. Um, yeah. And it'll be kind of like girl talk. And it's like basically like a Friday night girl's night and mm-hmm. you're just talking. And then it comes from yeah. there, from that moment, somebody will have a hook in their phone and they'll say, you know, what you just told me reminds me of this. Or there are plenty of times when I'll bring in a fragment of a song, and maybe it's a chorus, maybe mm-hmm. it's a verse, maybe it's both, and we'll finish it together. Oh, wow. Uh, I love that. So as we come to a conclusion here, tell everybody how they can reach out to you. Um, they can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, um, well, YouTube. We've got videos up galore on there. But I really, really love when people message me. I can't stress this enough. Um, like, I wish more people would. I can't get enough of it. And I do have a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, sliding into my DMs. And I love it. It always makes my day. And I love to get to know them and, you know, usually they'll say something like, hey, it'll just be, hey, whatever, and I'll ask them how they are and then we'll get started talking and uh one girl just sent me a video mm-hmm. of kelsey ballerini playing at the opry and i thought that was so cool and she oh, told wow. me how it was her dream to see kelsey ballerini at the opry so yeah. i just i love getting to know people and, and you know one thing that we like to do with our show and i hope we did this on every show is the goal of the show is to feel like that you've got a new new you built new friendships and it was just a conversation between a couple people and the world was listening. That's how we want to end our show always. Okay, I love that. <clears throat> so um, we look forward to having you back on down the road. Oh, I would love to come back on anytime. Y'all just just hit me up. I am uh, I'm all yours. All right, sounds good. And we'll talk we to you appreciate we really We really enjoyed it today. Yes. Yeah, it was, I'm same. I really enjoyed this. It was almost therapeutic in a way. I felt like we were able to have like a real, just a genuine discussion and it was recorded. So that's cool. I kind of, I almost forgot we were being recorded. We like <laughs> we to hear that to hear too. That. That's the whole goal is we, we want yeah. to make the, the guests feel comfortable to where they'll open up and give us the raw details, not just the sugar-coated ones. Yes, absolutely. And that's how it should be. Thank and you again, so much for having me. Oh, and thank you for being thank, on the show today. We on. appreciate your time.
Oh, right. you. We'll Absolutely. You okay, sounds Thanks. great. Okay, bye. Bye. Yeah.